what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Spirit-Filled Real Talk podcast. Today we're going to talk about some things that make you go, hmm... We're actually going to talk about what honorable ambition is according to God's word, not according to my opinion. So I'm going to dive right in here because I'm going to give you a couple of really great attitudes and motives that you can use to assess your own character and how you are doing on this topic, okay? So in 1 Timothy 3 verse 1, it says, To aspire to leadership is an honorable ambition. And then in contrast here, in Jeremiah 45, 5, it says, should you then see great things for yourself? Seek them not. All right. So right here, you can see the difference between honorable ambition and what might not be such honorable ambition. All right. And really what Jesus highlights to us as a model for leadership, for honorable ambition, is becoming a servant. He talks about this in the book of Mark, chapter 10, okay? So true greatness, true leadership, according to Jesus, is found in giving yourself in service to others, not really forcing them or inducing them to serve you and help you get your goal and your mission accomplished, okay? So something to think about. And as we jump here, some really great questions to write down, some writer downers. First one, how would you illustrate the differences between self-centered and God-centered ambition from your own life? Knowing that to aspire to leadership is honorable ambition. Think about that. What are the differences in your own life of your own leadership when it's self-centered and when it is God-centered ambition, okay? This is really going into the motives of your heart and your attitude, right? So man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now, for me, for example, a lot of my life was (laughs) self-centered, right? A lot of it was. All of the pursuits that I was running after, whether I was, you know, pursuing degrees or pursuing different Uh, uh, career choices or career options and opportunities and jobs, right? Or just careers in general, (laughs) right? Those pursuits were for me, right, to pursue success in my life or what I thought success was or what I thought success looked like or if I had achieved it or not, right? It was all self-centered, God wasn't in that. So I can really assess in my own life the difference between God-centered and self-centered ambition from the motive behind a pursuit, but I also can do it from my energy. Really managing our energy, our mind, our willpower, our self-control, our self-discipline, our self-mastery, our emotions, quite literally the energy that we are putting in motion every day, 
which is creating the quality of our life, right? What is going on in my heart? When I can really assess my energy, I know very quickly now from self-awareness and having really been growing and developing with God and letting the potter really work with me here, right? I know that any time that I'm like forcing or pushing or frustrated, I am not surrendered. I am not trusting. I'm actually in pride, leaning on my own understanding, doing things the way I think they should go, making it happen just because I can, right? God ain't in that. So that's those are two distinctions that I notice in my own life for that question. Another one, who has been your most influential example of godly leadership? This is a great one because you can really look at these different models in your life and you can see, right, what, what does their life, what fruit is their life producing? What do you see? What fruit do you see in their life? What character qualities are they demonstrating? How do they show up in the face of a challenge or a difficult situation? Right? What do these people represent? What do they embody? What does their leadership show you? And then lastly, what are some areas of honorable ambition in your life that is God-centered? Now, making this distinction, we're not going into good, bad, right, or wrong. None of that. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation. But just helping you become more aware of your ambition and what is driving you. And if that truly is in sync with what you value and what you want to continue to prioritize in your life. Okay? There is a great quote that defines leadership. Okay, this comes from Samuel Brengel, and he is someone who served for many years in the Salvation Army. This is what he said. He said that leadership is not won by promotion, but by many prayers and tears. It is attained by confession of sin and much heart searching and humbling before God, by self-surrender, a courageous sacrifice of every idol, a bold, uncomplaining embrace of the cross, and by eternally looking unto Jesus crucified. It is not gained by seeking great things for ourselves, but like Paul, by counting those things that are gained to us as lost for Christ. This is a great price, but it must be paid by the leader whose power is recognized and felt in heaven, on earth, and in hell. Right? Woof! So, He is showing here that God really wants to show people how strong he really is, okay? But not all who aspire to leadership are willing to pay such a high personal price. That's why when you hear with power comes great responsibility, right? So even take our beliefs. Something as simple as our belief can create or it can kill, it can really tear something apart, right? They're, they're constructive or they're destructive. Literally, our beliefs have that power. Just the power of our belief, let alone the power of our words, right? Our words create and they destroy, right? So to, to not think that we don't need to manage our minds <laughs> and take thoughts captive and be diligent about that, or that we can just speak whatever we feel like and be totally unconscious about that, Right? That is a big, big misconception. It's a source of deception, right? Of being deceived. Okay. Now, when it comes to principles of leadership, 
I'm going to actually use Isaiah 42 as a model to pull some of these for you so you can kind of assess how well are you doing on these different qualities, okay? So I'm going to give you, how many have I laid out here? One, two, three, four, five, six, six, okay? So I'm just going to give you six qualities here to think about, and these are really attitudes and inner motives that we don't always think about, but really demonstrate the ideal servant, okay? So you can really assess your leadership and if it's really being moved honorably <laughs> or from more self-centered pursuit, okay? So the first one is dependence, okay? Isaiah 42 verse one says, here is my servant whom I uphold, all right? So this really speaks to the fact that as we become empty of ourselves, of thoughts that are not serving us, of beliefs that are very limiting and they're not of God, right? Anything that is not filling our mind with the mind of Christ, right, is not really serving us. Anything that's not in agreement with the truth is not helpful, right? Or emotions that we constantly live in, whether it's anxiety or frustration or fear or insecurity or doubt or unbelief. If we live there every day, that's the quality of our life, right? So that inner attitude is not productive for leadership. It's not, right? So it's super important to be able to evaluate this. But as we become empty of that stuff and dependent on God, the Holy Spirit will work in and through us. He will use us to serve other people, okay? But we got to get some of that stuff out of the way because that other stuff can actually hurt people, okay? You've heard the saying, hurt people hurt people? Yeah, because what they're thinking about other people is destructive and what they're speaking about other people and what they're storing up in the heart could really be destructive. And the word of God says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh right? So when we've got the wrong thing stored up in our heart, we can hide it, but it's in there and it will come out, right? And when we're not being a blessing to other people, right? We're, we're really not being a blessing when we're thinking negatively about other people and when we're thinking about hurting other people in some kind of way or wanting harm to be done to them in some kind of way. That's incredibly destructive. Yet, <laughs> all of that is going on inside of us, right? So it's really important to be able to check your attitudes and motives, particularly when it comes to leadership. Can God trust you with his people? God loves all mankind. God loves his creation, right? Can he trust you to lead his people and to serve them? Well, if you're not dependent on him and empty of yourself, there could be a double standard here. There could be double-mindedness going on here. And the word also says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So check your dependence, all right? Number two, approval. Isaiah 42, one says this, my chosen one in whom I delight. So God takes great delight in us. God delights in us. If you never have even tried on that belief, God delights in you, okay? We see through Jesus and Jesus's example that delight is reciprocal. So not only does God delight in Jesus, for example, but Jesus delighted in God. It says many times, I delight to do thy will, right? Check that too. Are you looking for the approval of man or are you delighting to do the will of God in your life? And what are your parameters or your self-checks, if you will, 
to really assess if you are walking in sync with God's will for your life or not. How do you know? Are you even reflecting on that and considering that? Are you just doing your own thing, running your your own plans, running your own agenda and thinking it's all good, getting no feedback, right? Getting no wise counsel just on your own island, right? Think about that one. Number three, it says in Isaiah 42 verse 2, he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. So what this is really demonstrating is that ministry is not arrogant self-advertising, okay? It's, it's really something that is more about serving, okay? It's not about getting self, self-image validated, right? It's about serving other people, okay? So you really can't serve other people well when you have a hidden agenda or when you're running your own agenda, okay? So are you embodying modesty or are are you doing things out of a motive to be seen, out of a motive to get attention, out of a motive to have an ego boost or to, to get more eyes on your social media feeds or whatever it might be? Like, what is your motive? Okay, just think about that. Are you doing it for you or is your motive really to serve? Okay, because marketing is a beautiful thing. We absolutely need to market. People need to know who you are and what you do and how you can help them. But if you're doing it out of a way to just inflate yourself, that's different, all right? The next one, number four, empathy. It says in Isaiah 42.3, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. So the Lord's servant or being a servant leader is sympathetic with the weak, mercifully understanding those who are in sin, right? We And something on this, we all know what our own dirt is. We all know. We don't need somebody to call out our dirt. We don't at all. That's why prophecy is so important. And prophecy is all about building up building people up, encouraging their spirits, pouring or drawing out the gold in them, reminding of that, reminding them of their identity and their destiny and who they are and what they're capable of, not calling out their dirt. Because what you focus on grows more in your life. So you are not serving somebody when you're just calling out their dirt. They know. They know when they're not in alignment. We know. We're we're wise people, right? As much as we try to deny it, we know. So A servant who is really able to not trample on the weak and those that are in sin or or caught up in something, right, That that is missing the mark in God's eyes, a servant leader will lead them back to greatness, will hold up their greatness, will hold up what's possible rather than just judging them and criticizing them. That is not the purpose of prophecy and that's not what you want to do. Okay, so those who follow in the in the model of Jesus, those who are here to do greater things than than he did. Right. Those will never walk over people or hit people when they're down. Right. And you may know what this feels like when you are in a low place or when you have been in the worst season of your life and you've lost friends or people just checked out of your life. 
right? A real servant leader would not do that. They would see it, right, as an opportunity to really walk with that person in that season, okay? All right, the next one is optimism. Optimism, okay? Isaiah 42, 4 says, he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. So another way to say this, pessimism and leadership are at opposite ends of life's attitudes. <laughs> Hope and optimism are essential qualities for the servant of God who battles with the powers of darkness over the souls of men and women. So a servant leader is optimistic until every part of God's work is done. So powerful. That was a Selah moment. A servant of God is optimistic until every part of God's work is done. All right. And then lastly here, number six, anointing. Isaiah 42, 1 says, I will put my spirit on him. Okay, so none of these leadership qualities, dependence, approval, modesty, empathy, or optimism are sufficient for the task. Without the touch of the supernatural, these qualities are just dry as dust, right? And so the Holy Spirit comes to rest upon and dwell in the ideal servant, so, so powerful, right? So the, the word of God says, apart from God, I am nothing. And apart from God, I can do no good thing. That is humility, okay? We need the Holy Spirit power in our life to do good. We need the divine enablement of God to do what God has called us to do, right? So Holy Spirit needs to be flowing through us for us to accomplish what it is that we're called to do, okay? And as we walk with the Spirit of God, He can work through us at every step. That's why every day can truly be wonderful and new if you choose. And every day you are being led, you are being guided, you are supported. And we all, we all can hear from God in many different ways and we can be receptive and responsive to that in our life. And that's really how we develop our leadership. It's through trust and dependence on God and walking in relationship with him. Okay. And we do that specifically too with our relationship with Holy Spirit and really paying attention to nudges, to promptings, to what Holy Spirit is revealing to us when we're reading the word of God, right? Many different ways. Okay, so a couple more questions here. I know I gave you some at the beginning, but here's some here at the end that you can add to the batch. How can you tell when you are being a servant? So good. <laughs> and when you're answering these questions, just write them down and trust that the answer will come and just answer from an unfiltered place. Just the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, next one. What examples would you use to explain the sovereignty and suffering principles of spiritual leadership to someone. <laughs> it can feel like suffering, right? When we turn our will over to God. When we humble ourselves or when we're being humbled. That's painful. That's painful. Right? But how does that actually contribute to your leadership? And then when I shared these different characteristics 
of Jesus that we see in the word of God from Isaiah 42, which one do you find the greatest challenge for you as you exercise honorable ambition or leadership? Which one is the most challenging for you? So for example, in the example, let me say that again. (laughs) In the example that I mentioned at the beginning where I was very self-reliant, I thought that that was a great quality that sounded wonderful. That seemed to be something that if you mastered, that would be a great thing. That's what the world claps for. That's what the world supports, right? If you are an independent, self-sufficient, ambitious, high-achieving human, you're going to do well in the world. Like that's typically what you hear, what you think. So for many years, I didn't see anything wrong with that. It was exhausting, (laughs) but I just thought that that was par for the course. That's just what you're supposed to do right? Not knowing that that was actually very against having a relationship with God and being led by God. So I really struggled with the quality of dependence for a long time, right? When I've thrived and really celebrated my independence, that was a really hard thing to be humbled into. Really hard. It took me many years before I really surrendered. And this is something that I have to stay connected to God. Otherwise I could fall back into that. Okay. Now you can think about these other things. Empathy was one that I really developed over the course of my life, right? It's actually become a really strong gift of mine to be able to feel. I've gone through a lot of pain and a lot of trauma and a lot of hard things, right? So I am not turned away or put off when other people are struggling. I don't just leave them there. I don't walk all over them, right? I'm able to be with them in those moments and not be afraid. I'm re- I'm able to hold space in a different way and really practice the skill of empathy. And it's it's God's heart to be able to express that, right? Optimism. <laughs> this is one for example that really developed as a a survival technique for me, right? Like I I knew to some degree that if I could have a sense of humor, if I could laugh through things, it was a release of stress and a lot of built up anxiety and a lot of unanswered questions, right? Having a sense of humor and activating joy (laughs) created strength for me. I didn't know that was a principle for many years, right? Or that it's a value that God has. He has a high value for joy, right? I didn't know that. But practicing optimism is actually quite wise, right? So things that you might have to trust, oh, I'm anointed by God. I don't have to do this in my own strength. I can really partner with Holy Spirit more, right? Or or maybe I don't practice modesty at all. Maybe I'm always showing myself off or I'm wanting likes on my posts and things. I'm really wanting people to praise me constantly. There, There could be things that you need to evaluate in your leadership to really Test your attitude and your motives. So that's what I want to leave you with today. If an honorable ambition is to aspire to leadership, take a look at your leadership. Who are you serving? (laughs) What is the motive behind your leadership? Is it to get something or to force people to do something? Or is it to give or to release something and to help people become something? Think about that. What is driving you? Is your life and the different ways that you express yourself, is that driven by self-centeredness? Or are you God-centered in these different areas of your life? And if you were to become stronger in one or the other, 
what would be the benefits of that and what would be the consequences of that? We tend to overcomplicate things like this, but sometimes when you just pause and when you get still enough to just be still and know, the answers come. They're quite enlightening. But when you actually do this work, when you slow down, you actually accelerate. Okay? When you slow down and you get this kind of clarity, you actually accelerate. Right? And if you really want to be about his business, how can you if you never take a look at what you're actually about and what you value and what's driving you and the choices that you're making? This is your leadership. Leadership starts with you and yourself. Who is your model for leadership? So if you are somebody that is driven to lead other people, if you are somebody that runs your own business or manages other people, right, or is in leadership over other people, how are you leading? What qualities are you demonstrating? What are their experiences of you? If you're brave, you can ask them for feedback. Wisdom is also surrounding yourself with accountability partners and getting an advisory board around you, a community of wise counsel that can give you that kind of feedback or can help you walk through challenges and pray with you through different things and focus you back on what the truth says, not their opinion, but what the truth says, right? We don't need a call out ministry. We need it to be pointed back to the truth. We need to be encouraged in the word of God and what we're capable of right? Because we don't need to focus on our sin because if you focus on your sin, you see more of it, right? But if you are living a resurrected life, right? Yes, Jesus died on the cross, but Jesus rose from the dead. (laughs) So if you live from the New Testament, right? How can you live a resurrected life? How can you walk in the freedom and wholeness that Jesus gave you? How can you activate the qualities of God in you to truly serve and bring light and the heavenly blessings to the places that you are called to influence. You have to start with assessing your leadership. All right? So hopefully that was practical for you to give you some ways that you can develop excellence in your own life. If you have any questions or you want to learn more, you want to do a deeper dive into this, I wrote a book called God's Vibes Matter, Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority. So that does a deeper dive into this as well. So that might be a great resource for you. You can also visit julianapage.com for coaching and to get plugged into the God's Vibes Mastermind. The God's Vibes Mastermind, I like to describe it as Holy Spirit Boot Camp. (laughs) It is something where I do live coaching. We have prayer calls. There's four different modules and coursework with videos, and I call it homework, but really fun sheets, right? (laughs) To do a lot of self-discovery and help you practice self-coaching and really developing your relationship with God. That is a beautiful tool that you can get plugged into. So if all or any of those things are really something that you know you would feel so grateful to have in your life right now, make sure that you go check that out over at julianapage.com. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing? (laughs) Don't just consume. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you copy the link, that you share with your friends, that you get other people tuned into this podcast so that they can grow in their relationship with God and really start asking themselves these harder questions. All right. Thank you in advance. And until next time, Stay blessed.